right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the home of Sooner fans. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. I I was going back over the Brent Venables presser during the break just to make sure we hit all the time codes that I had, and I forgot what my favorite moment was. And I was very grateful with how Brent answered it because I think it was Barry Trammell that asked him about the Texas and Alabama game. And most of the times whenever a coach gets a question like that, what's the response? Oh, I'm focused on my team. I'm not interested in what's going on over there. I'm, I've got this team I've got to take care of. I, I, I know Larry's waiting. We're going to get true at 405-329-9000. Your texts are really good today. Uh, on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Be okay if I play this here? Real sure, quick. yeah, off the top. Okay, uh, Barry Trammell, Aspirin Venables, about, hey, Texas and Alabama playing each other. Kind of seems like Texas is ascending and Bama's falling. And I think Coach Venables had the same response that I would to anyone saying Bama's falling. I'm only kind of smirking because <laughs> – uh, Alabama falling. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Texas. Uh, apparently, I did not see the game. Apparently, they played fantastic. You don't just go into Bryant Denny Stadium and win and not play pretty dang good. So, uh, you know, credit to them uh, for that. But I don't necessarily think that's indicative of Nebraska or uh, uh, Texas falling. Uh, or uh, <laughs> Alabama falling. I don't even know what to say. That doesn't sound right. So I don't know how to say it. <laughs> My brain doesn't think like that, uh, apparently. But, you know, I just say, hey, man, you know, this is the league that, you know, we signed up for. And and this is college football. But those are, you know, two, two really you know, good programs. And Alabama's been the gold standard for a long time. That doesn't mean they're, they're not vulnerable to, uh, you know, a great game and they came on – they came up on the short side of it. You know, that's the game, too. I'm sure there's – moments and plays, you know, in that game where uh, they were punished for not doing X or Y or Z the right way. And then, again, this is a game of performance and guys winning their matchups. And uh, it sounds like Texas made some great plays. And, and uh, no surprise, it was sounds like it was a great game and a uh, great venue. And uh, those are two teams right now that are, and again, early in the season, you know, playing really well. But I, I don't think it's um, – Indicative necessarily that uh, Alabama uh, is going to fall off the face of college football either. Not that you said that, but uh, they'll respond. I'm sure of that. Mm. Yeah. Will they respond in 2023? Yep. That's the question. That's the question. I think this weekend, I, I never understand – people that complain about the schedules it's like oh my gosh these games it's like i mean arnie does it all the time I'm like you wait almost an entire calendar year for college football to return after it ends just begging please just anything please. and then all of a sudden you get three weeks in and it's <laughs> texas alabama was uh it was it was great in the sense that it was a little bit shocking, right? Right. So even though it wasn't super dramatic coming down the home stretch, what a Colorado Nebraska, right? I mean, it, it rated like crazy. It so. did. It was the highest rated game. What was the third highest rated game last week? Uh, Iowa Iowa State was fourth. Oh, was it really? Yeah. 
Oh gosh, let me go to Paulson real quick. Um, yeah, that's. Was it really that high? Fourth highest rated. It was just skinny of four, I think. Um, let me see here. No, thirty. No. Sports Media Watch. Just look at Brett. Do you Nick know Murphy's what? There it is. There it is. I'm sorry. I, YouTube is. Or I'm sorry. Google has become untenable. <laughs> I mean, you you Google anything and you don't get an answer. You get like five different ads, and then finally below you might get an answer, but it's like does not include this. I'm like, well, that's what I'm looking for. Ratings. <laughs> All right. So the last wrong week, search, you get a lot of. Oh lot of oh ads. oh! It was Texas Miami. Uh, Texas A and M Miami. Okay, yeah, that's duh. So your five, your top five highest rated games last week in college football were Texas, Alabama, one, Nebraska, Colorado, two, which was right there, right with Texas, Alabama. It was, I mean, like peanuts away from being the exact same ratings. According to this at SportsMediaWatch.com, I don't, I don't know how the. Oh, I don't know how the A and M or the Texas Alabama game is considered higher rated. Nebraska and Colorado got a higher rating. It's just Texas Alabama had three hundred thousand more viewers. This right here says Texas Alabama Texas eight point seven six mil with a four point five rating, and Nebraska Colorado eight point seven three mil with a four point eight rating. Now, keep in mind that Texas Alabama is the combination of ESPN and ESPN two as well. Man, with the McAfee. The uh, I, I know I know it rubs some people the wrong way, but the Dion effect right now is real. It is A uh, and M in Miami four point two million four point zero two Iowa Iowa State three point three eight, and then one two three four five five is UNLV in Michigan. Oh baby, two point what a barn burner. Yeah, y'all complain. Oh, the games this week, cut, and I'm like, geez. cut that part off so Arnie can't call in. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, uh, true sooner. What's going? We're gonna get back to more of the BV stuff coming up here in a bit. But true sooner is checked in. What's up, true sooner? How are you? Hey, I was gonna tell. I, I got a chance to see uh, Pee Wee Herman in Dallas uh, do a stand-up routine about 30 years ago. Speaking of Pee Wee Herman, it was pretty funny. Did he? Uh, did he work in the? In the blue, was it dirty, or did he keep it clean? Oh yeah, no, okay. it was dirty. It was, it was adult. It was. He came out. Yeah, he, it was all. It was. It was not Pee Wee's Playhouse. I mean, it was. <laughs> it was Pee Wee's ex Playhouse, probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, all right. Okay. So, so I, what, what I was going to say was, um, you know, listen to Mr. Sports call in and <laughs> listen to these professional sports callers, uh, right. such as BFC and yourself. BFC, you know, oh. all my favorites. Um, oh boy. You know and. One one thing that I've learned over the years is that sports. What do you guys call yourself? You guys are sports observers. Uh, talk show hosts. Observers hosts. is yes. what I use. Yes, professionals, whatever. Um, one thing you got to do is if you got something controversial to say, what you do is you. It's kind of like dating a girl or being married to a girl. You kind of come. You, you don't come in hot. First of all, and this is this is just to some people, some young bucks out there that are trying to to get this craft down. So you don't come in hot. You come in and maybe something funny. You kind of break the ice a little bit. Because what happens is the Joshes of the world, they get kind of relaxed with their trigger finger. Right. Because you're, cause you're saying something funny and you, and you, you know, and, and they come in and then you, and then you, one. yeah. And then you bash them in the head with, with, with whatever you got to say. And then by that time, you know, hopefully they don't threaten to beat you up or meet you outside to fight you like some other hosts have done. Um, you know, around around the city. Now, <laughs> who, who are you referring to? 
Toby. <laughs> you know, no, not, I, I mean, there's a few of them. Not Toby, definitely. Uh, but, but there are some. But anyway, I was going to ask you guys on the clock thing, who, who votes on that every year? Isn't the coaches vote on that? Who votes on uh, rule changes? Well, they have a rules committee. I mean, come on, man. It's college sports. There's got to be a committee, and then there's a subcommittee because, well, it it involves a little bit of everyone. It involves health experts for player safety. There's administrators. There's officials. Basically people that don't watch the games. (laughs) Right. And and from that committee comes a subcommittee, and then there might even be a subcommittee off that. If there's one thing I've learned – is when it comes to rule changes or anything in CAA, these people love working groups and committees. Man, they love them. True. I'm convinced everybody just likes a free lunch. Well, because you get a because you get to go travel, so you get to maybe go meet somewhere and have a meeting and have a have a lunch and get to do all that stuff, right? I mean, right. That's, but but I mean, but I mean, okay. So you, we keep saying the television people. So it's not the t- maybe the TV people want it. But the TV people—oh, they're just—they just see an opportunity, true, and they're capitalizing yeah. on it. They're not—they're not the driving force. I, we don't think. We right? don't think, right? That's—that's that's at least the, what what we're led to believe. Okay, gotcha. I was just curious because I was like, well, the coaches have something to do with it, though, right? Oh well, I mean, Kirby Smart was the co-chair of the committee. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's a coaching aspect to this, um, but. I also think that, you know, we're not in those committee meetings, and I don't know if they're available online anywhere, but I, I mean, I'm willing to bet there is somewhere in there that, you know, this has been suggested by our media partners because that's a massive amount of money that involves every single program and every single conference. I has to be, right? I, I like the changes I if you don't have that extra commercial break that interrupts the flow of the game. Like, in theory, a, a few less plays – the, the clock keeps moving. I think it's good for the product. But uh, the in-game, in-stadium experience, okay, I, I hear what you're saying on that. If that part has been disruptive, we have to take care of fans. We have to. It's kind of like the thing in softball, right? I mean, they talk about, they talk about the pitch clock. There not being a pitch clock. There is a pitch clock. Right. It's just and, not and, and, and visible. The ES, yeah, ES, yeah and ESPN just squeezes more. They just squeeze more commercials in, and they, they bulldoze you and everybody else down there yeah you know it's so. it's fine hey thanks for the call Troy. I appreciate right, man. See, man. It. we love the four-letter network I, I mean i understand it and i think most coaches get it i i have a hard time whenever you see tv broadcasters that are complaining about the length of games and i just i feel like tweeting a picture of a mirror to them i'm like hey here's something you need to help out with this because let's just <laughs> you know true sooner brought up softball that'd be great <laughs> why right. don't you do that here you go uh Oh, these games are way too long. Here you go. Here's your sign. Right, here's your sign. We go from minute 30 commercial breaks to 233 minutes in some instances in softball, right? That's double. That's double the amount of time. Number two, there is a pitch clock in softball. It's just not enforced. It's on the umpire. It's on the umpire. Now, if we get to the point, and I think it might happen in the future, just because TV wants it, they're going to implement a visual pitch clock. But there is a, oh, Jackie, like a 5, 5, 10 rule or something like that where you're counted on to go. Let's go. Oklahoma's really good, by the way, at the line of the finish line because they step out a lot. And an umpire can say, no, get back in there. So, I'm, yeah, it's, it's always funny to me. Anyone on TV that debates this and they come up with the, oh, 
It's just, these games are ridiculous. These commercial breaks are too long. I'm like, yeah, that's your fault. Do you know how quickly you can watch a football game if you fast forward through commercials? Do you know how quickly you can watch a softball game that's either a non-conference or a non-televised game? It's amazing. But, but, much like I couldn't do whatever I wanted when I was 15 and 16 and living under my mom's roof, uh, she's paying the bills. TV's paying the bills. They can do what they want. And I think most people get that. It's just, I feel like in some people's minds, this has been, Josh, a little bit more noticeable than what they might have anticipated because this whole idea of slowing down, reducing the plays for safety has quickly become, oh, no, 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 no. This isn't a a safety thing. Let's capitalize. Right. Let's make more money. Um, And it's not sped up the game for the fan. I don't feel like it has. Uh, Here's just a couple quick quick, questions. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text on this. I don't know why I can't speak today, but here we are. Less in Hayes, Kansas. Speeding up the game you can deal with, but to do it just to run more commercials is ridiculous. The commercials are ridiculously long. See, that's the question. And, and huh, breaking down a fourth wall. This is something that we fight about a lot in the, the sports radio world. Would you rather have fewer, longer commercial breaks, or more shorter breaks. Did I say that right? And it's a, it's a great fight in where you place those breaks and how you work your clock and how you manipulate it and where do you not place it so that maybe you can get people that are tuned away from listening to Skinner for the 8,000th time, right? It's just, it's a challenge. And that's, you know, the same question, not necessarily where they place the break because that's out of your control, but would you rather see fewer breaks, longer time, or more breaks with shorter amount of time? Because they ain't going to change the number of breaks. That's still happening. Uh, the 817 writes, in-stadium experience definitely affected by the three-minute commercial break. The clock guy with the digital clock gets on the field. Then the blaring music starts. Why can't networks charge more for commercials and run for two minutes? Come on, we got to hear the whopper, 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 which whomever bought advertising for Burger King spent so much money. (laughs) So much money. Just to torture all of us. All of you feel this way. Eric from War. Three-minute timeouts are ridiculous. Scary Gary. They haven't been noticeable unless your team is losing. (laughs) Six less in uh, in the SEC. 20 in the Big 12. Oh, he's talking about the math. Like six fewer plays if you're in the SEC, 20 if you're in the Big 12. Uh, And then there's this from the 918. New clock rule is like this. When we go through a recession and they make the cereal box 7.25% smaller, but still the same great price. And why is it always the things that I love that have the price jacked up the most? Cereal? Go buy a box of cereal. Oh, my gosh. Eggs, beer, pricey, dude. And then I I say one more, but this is good. This is good from Sooneran. I remember the rule change, but never connected. It would be linked with longer commercial breaks. During the Arkansas State game, I had the sense of breaks being longer, but thought it was just me. 
Then in the second half, notice the additional time included in the ref's break countdown clock on the field. The On the field, not us, the ref. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> just want to make sure everybody knew. That was when I realized, ah, oh, the clock change will not shorten games, just the amount of plays. Definitely noticeable both in stadium and at home. Sooner Andy in San Antonio. All right. Let's get back to the game when we this, come back. This is pretty good. Oh, go ahead. Are you okay? Man down. Yes, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> from, from the 918. These big TV deals that will end up pushing more money to Oklahoma and others was always going to come at a price. Everything in life is a trade-off. Quick break. More from BV next right here on The Ref. I wish for the sake of this show and the way that these first three weeks of the college football season have flown by, I wish college football season was all year long. (laughs) Just play a game a month and we lead up to it. All right, coming up on... October 6th. Yeah, we're going to have OU Texas. Then on November 7th, it just it just goes all year long. 12 games, 12 months. I just wish that I love this so baseball much, softball started 1 month later. Maybe two. And then we we really not have much of a college sports gap. But I understand that. I see what you're saying. So in other words, component. they would start in like March instead of February or maybe even April. I know there's a lot of people up in the Northeast that would love that. Well, it does it does level the playing field nationally because uh, you've got programs that it's just hard to recruit there because the weather stinks. So what you're saying is you care more about Northeast schools than Patty Gasso in Oklahoma. No, I think Patty Gasso in Oklahoma are going to be fine. just fine. But what I care about is not having uh, – that, that lull? Yeah. What I care about is the, the summer being as, as long as it is without college sports. You and I coming in here and being like, dude, do we do we got to talk about Major League Baseball from last night? By the way, baseball, I did watch a little bit of the Dodgers-Padres last night. Freddie Freeman made it where I could go to bed early, so thanks, Freddie. Spanked him. Take that, Padres. Um, Brent Venable's presser. A lot of a couple of a lot of stuff about Kevin Wilson. That if we're gonna go with starting the show tomorrow about the Kevin Wilson era and what it meant then we probably want to save a lot of that until the Open tomorrow, which will be live from Cavens Group. But Coach was asked about the value of playing Tulsa, and I thought as somebody who attended college there and as somebody who really roots for that program a lot and loves all the people involved with it and around it, I loved hearing Coach talk about you know, the value of playing a team and in the state of Oklahoma. I don't know if it's a different value. Um, it's certainly a great opportunity for us to play. We, we're going to play on the road. At least we're playing in state. So we have a lot of uh, people that love the Sooners have an opportunity to, to watch us play. Um, I like the familiarity uh, that the players will have with one another. You know, again, half their team is from uh, – the state of Oklahoma or the Dallas Metroplex, and uh, I think it's great for them and their program. Uh, we want to see everybody in state, you know, have some level of success. Uh, so it gives us both an opportunity to uh, people to, you know, pitch their their flag, if you will, and uh, show their loyalty. So it's good for the pageantry of college football, you know, playing uh, each other in state and as they build their program and we're uh, building ours, I think uh, we all win, you know, through it all. 
And, sorry, TJ sent out the very, con, uh, not in a, in a bad way, convoluted equipment plan for Saturday this <laughs> weekend. a lot there. Oh, that's a lot. Is it stressing you out just looking at it? Yeah, and th- well, it really made me nervous for a moment because I'm I'm leaving Thursday to go to Tulsa, and I thought it said that I couldn't get it till Friday, but I think we're good. Oklahoma, are they? Uh, what's their travel plan? Are they leaving and staying down there Friday? Yeah, I'm I'm sure they are. Just treating it, you know, typical road game. I'm sure they are. Uh, I I haven't seen anything different. Now we're we are staying in what is I, I guess the team hotel on Saturday or Friday night. So I would assume that they're going down and just treating it as a normal game week. Which makes sense with Cincinnati, you know, right afterwards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, get, get that uh, road experience, your first one, just get that out of the way right here, right now. Boy, suddenly that Cincinnati game has taken on a little bit more intrigue, hasn't it, right? Well, the way they played against Pitt. Yeah, with them winning that game. Pitt might suck, though. No, that's, that's right. But uh, they're better than – we were led to believe at one point throughout the offseason, right? I mean, isn't that fair? Agree. I agree. So, in addition to talking about the value, right, of playing at Tulsa and, and continuing that, Coach Venables talked about recruiting. Recruiting. And really what it means to play these in-state games, specifically in a place like Tulsa. Well, I'm not, I'm not – trying to recruit for Tulsa, all right? But there's plenty to brag about. They've had a, you know, they've got a, you know, great lineage and there's been amazing football players um, that are collegiate players. Uh, the Budkus guy, the Budkus Award was there a few years ago, right? Is that right? Nagurski. What was his name? He went to Denver. Yeah. Is that Arizona. It? Yeah. I should have been there. He won the Budkus or no? No. Nagurski. Nagurski National Award. Defensive Player of the Year. And um, and many others. Garrett Mills came in here. I think caught 13 passes for 175 yards. Uh, and uh, but there's they've had a, a great lineage of players. I think maybe in the last few years they've had like five guys drafted uh, just in the last you know few years. And uh, our guys can play anywhere in the country. They're best players. And uh, the state of Oklahoma, and I've said that, said this to our staff many times, you know, the best players in this state can play anywhere in the country, and they've proven that, you know, through the years. And, uh, you know, there's not great depth uh, of players, but really good football, really good coaching, really good development, excellent players. And so they'll, they'll have a, you know, handful of them, you know, like we will and Oklahoma State will every year. But, you know, they've, they've, they've always done a good job and, uh, you know, whether they're competing for a highly recruited guy or maybe uh, an under-recruited player. And we, as we know, a, a lot of those guys make up the majority of the guys that get drafted, guys that weren't really highly thought of. I think three stars is the uh, – more more three stars drafted than they are, you know, the four and the five stars. But uh, but Tulsa has, you know, always done a great job of, of regardless of who's been the coach there, uh, that city, you know, has great talent there. The high schools there in that city and, and the surrounding community. So, it's a, it's a great location. That's part of, uh, you know, from a success standpoint. You know, location's important, and uh, Tulsa has benefited uh, from you know the players in this state without without a doubt. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, I um, you know that's one thing that it's going to be fascinating to follow 
over the next few years, and Ted's talked about this a lot. Like I said, I listen to Ted a lot. So if you're like, dude, all you do is parrot what Ted says. Exactly. Correct. Correct. You figured it out. Correct. But Ted's talked about it. You know, this is, you look back historically at some of the guys who were difference makers. Now, not the rock stars, not the, not the Adrian Petersons and the, and the guy, I mean, Gerald McCoy is an Oklahoma guy, but he falls in that mix too. But you look and it was, you know, there was a play by a, an Oklahoma guy or two from either small town Oklahoma or, you know, started as a walk on. And then the next thing you know, he's a starter is by his senior year. Oh gosh, why am I blanking on the linebacker in 2000 next to Rocky? Um, that was a walk on. I think he wore number nine. You know, the, these an Oklahoma kid. Brent Venables is going to be more apt to give these guys opportunities as preferred walk-ons or, you know, maybe take a chance on a scholarship knowing that it might be a two-year development. Then there's guys that you look at and you're like, can Nate Roberts come play for Oklahoma right now? That they get back in on, right? That they just don't stop. They're not going to stop. Gavin Freeman's a great example of this. Sure. Prioritizing in-state talent. Thank you. Thank you very much, Drake. Roger Steffen is who I was thinking of. Was a linebacker. Oklahoma kid. Lance Donnelly. Oklahoma guy. Matt McCoy in the past against Missouri. Oklahoma guy. So I'm not sitting here. Uh, 405 got it too. You're, you're talking about Oklahoma, Tulsa, Washington. You know, you name it. Barnsdall, wherever. It, where you're going to get a, an opportunity that maybe under previous coaching staffs you wouldn't. I think you all know what I mean by that. Lincoln couldn't care less if you were from Oklahoma, right? And that's fine. Now, he built a great Oklahoma coaching staff that did. But hey, this is a coach in Brent Venables that I'm willing to bet. This is a good text from Scary Gary. He writes, Oklahoma could have used a Zayvon Collins a couple years ago. Uh, he whooped my brother's butt in the Oklahoma Class A state game. Maybe, Scary Gary, if Brent Venables was the coach in when was Zayvon being recruited? Uh, see, his final year is – so when he was being recruited in 2016-17. Might have been a sooner. Might have been, right? And then Probably that development, would have been. And that development takes place in Norman. I, I Again, Damon Collins wanted to be a quarterback too, and I think it took getting to Tulsa and Philip Montgomery being like, bro, you ain't playing quarterback. <laughs> it ain't, it ain't going to happen. And you know what? Ding, 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 because uh, made Saban Collins a lot of money. Saban right. Collins made himself a lot yeah, of he money. Had a, yeah, I think he had a pick six this weekend for Arizona. But I, you know, it's going to be a common theme. Brent's going to go get Oklahoma guys. And it, it might not always be a scholarship offer. And sometimes it's a preferred walk-on that might take a scholarship offer to go somewhere else, right? That's the reality of it. But sometimes it's that preferred walk-on where his whole dream is to do what? Play for Oklahoma. And I get to, I get to work to potentially get a, a scholarship? Okay, I'm in. And you're seeing the PWO game, I guess, very sure. strong in Oklahoma ties for, for BV and the staff. Well, and with name, image, likeness, it, it makes uh, the preferred walk-on situation maybe a, a little bit uh, more reasonable than in years past, right, to where you're not paying every single penny maybe. Okay. Um, we're saving all of the battle with 
Kevin Wilson stuff until tomorrow, right? That's when we're going to talk about the Kevin Wilson era. I mean, look, in guy, you you pulled up the twenty. What is that? Is that this, the twenty four class? class? Twenty four, yeah. I mean, look, look at the Oklahoma impact. Isosa, Michael Patterson, McDonald, Andy Bass, Xavier Robinson. Well, he's gonna recruit Oklahoma. He's gonna recruit Oklahoma, and that's awesome. We're not letting Josh Jacobs get out of here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, we got a break. I'm not. St- I'm just playing. I'm just playing. We're doing a break. Uh, when we come back right here on the home of Sooner fans, your text, which have been really good today. Plus, uh, everyone's asking about Danny Stutzman. Understandably so. Will you hear what Brent Venables had to say about what's different in 23? That's next on The Ref. We are working on a story for the next episode of Boy- issue of Boyd Street, our episode, on Gavin Freeman. Spent about 20 minutes last night talking to Jason. It had been a minute. He's great. Holland, uh, our Heritage Hall coach, spent some time in prior. I mean, I'm old enough to have covered his pops whenever he was a BA. I mean, that's – I guess it didn't register to me the lineage of the Freeman family until I started talking to Jason last night. And when we bring up Oklahoma kids and – what did we joke about a couple years ago? Build the moat! Build the moat! Sooner Lisa made a shirt. Build the moat that's around right. the state. Trying to see coaches take a boat across our moat to come get our players. No, no chance. No. Not through those gators. I keep waiting for literal fed. Well, technically, there's water between. We're joking. Okay. So, uh, quick turnaround on this piece, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick turnaround. I don't even know when. Is our deadline Friday? Or is it tonight? Or is it uh, I think it was yesterday. Was it? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, uh, I am, in all honesty, Josh Helmer. So far behind this month, it's not even funny. Usually I get like a nasty gram from at OU photo guy if I'm running behind. I haven't got one yet, and I don't see him here today. So I feel like I'm in good. I did send the, hey, got these wrapped up. When they're not wrapped up. All right, to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Now we're two of the Plank Show, brought to you by Allison Insurance, 405-745-2968. Health insurance, life insurance, Medicare supplements, Allison Insurance, helping you and your family for over 60 years. Uh, Okay, hold on. I almost read one that said not for air. Spence in Tulsa. The benefits of playing Tulsa is our defense will play another well-coached offense that will test them, and our offense will have opportunities to get many players involved. You know, I've spent every year in my professional media life thinking that you know, Tulsa can compete. And Dave Rader would always say, you know, 11 on 11, we, we, we like our chances. But that's not the reality of football, right? Your depth. Look at SMU's second string defensive line when it came in last week. Oklahoma had a lot of success. In just watching the first couple of games for, for Tulsa, you know, it, they, they're going to be well coached and they're going to do some things with motions and formations that's going to, make it challenging with Kevin Wilson for Oklahoma. But this should – TU's got a little ways to go in the athletic kind of area. Yeah, Brendan Presley's really nice. I like – I love Owen. I mean, that's my spotlight player. Really good edge rusher, and they rotate a lot of dudes. But And they got, they got guys, right? You watch the NFL, there's Tulsa dudes. But it just seems like this might not be the best year for Tulsa to match up with a Washington or an Oklahoma in back-to-back weeks, especially whenever they have quarterback issues. You never know, right? You never know. 
But I feel like this is a really good Oklahoma football team that's going up there. So you're right. Uh, Scary Gary's right. Tulsa almost beat Ohio State two years ago. The benefit for me is it's an hour drive instead of three. Yeah, I. that's still a wild game to look back on. I mean, it's tight in the fourth quarter for Oklahoma and Ohio State. The Sooner Andy has been on fire today. After listening to Brent Venables' presser comments in Jeff Lebby's, it does seem like Walker and Major were playing due to their health and consistency in the summer and fall season prep. Understandable. However, there seems to be an acknowledgement that there is a lower performance ceiling with Walker and Major. Performance so far has been solid from the running backs, but it is time to see if Barnes and Sawchuck can take it up to the next level. So, in other words, the ceiling isn't the roof for Barnes and Sawchuck. The ceiling might be the roof in the eyes of Sooner Andy for Major and Walker. Is that kind of what I'm getting from that? Sure. Okay. Sawchuck's got something that none of the other three guys have. He's got breakaway speed and electric nature about him that I just, again, don't think any of the other three have. But Walker, Major, I mean, they these are guys that have been around. So do they understand every nuance of what they're being asked to do a little bit better? Mm-hmm. Walker, I mean, if if that's the ceiling last week, that's that's a nice little ceiling. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, if that if that floor is closer to the ceiling, well, that's a consideration too. From the nine oh nine. That's California. That's still, I guess you could kind of say up early, right? Eight forty six. I've not heard it mentioned, maybe I missed it. But how do you think Saturday's game would have changed? If Danny Stutzman had been ejected, those targeting reviews always get me nervous. Uh, I go back to oh, – it would have been a little tougher. Danny Stutzman was everywhere on Saturday night. But would have been a few more snaps for Kip Lewis. Quite a few more snaps. Might have hit us on one of those trick plays. I think that's one thing that could have happened. But I'm glad we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'm glad that's something we don't have to worry about. I, I, the whole – game probably plays out differently the the way Oklahoma approaches things offensively if you give up a score or two along the way mm-hmm. so uh I- impossible to say it's who knows I mean maybe it plays out similarly in Oklahoma just there's not that much drop off but Stutzman the way he's playing right now even with what Kip Lewis did alongside Jaron Kanick you know to me it's hard not to imagine that there wouldn't have been a bust here or there that led to some some points for SMU. Can, can I just, guys, enlighten me? Because I'm really intrigued by this, and I don't – and maybe I'm not smart, and I'm the first person to admit, and maybe, I, maybe I'm too soft. But I don't – I just feel like sometimes there is this – and the only term that comes to mind is, is, is arrogance or tag – that whenever someone is a walk-on at, at any point, you know, even if they get a scholarship, if they're a walk-on, it's always, well, they're not going to be as good as the guy that was this rated star or this scholarship player. It's hard to mentally erase that stereotype that you attach to the player. He, yes. He, I was talking about it with Jason last night. And he even said, he's like, listen, it for the rest of his life, Gavin's going to be, oh, yeah, he was a walk-on. Even if he got a scholarship, it's just always this thing. And I feel like, I don't know, man. I 
I think Tywee Walker is going to be a guy that's getting carries all season long. He, he looks really <laughs> good so far. He looked good, really man. Good. Now, I don't disagree with Sooner Andy. Could there be another level with Sawchuck and Barnes? Absolutely. But how often have we seen it? We saw it in one bowl game. So I'm not, you know, they got to get healthy. And they got to get right. And Sawchuck, again, one time, got to protect football. But this idea that, you know, you're somewhat of a, gosh, I don't even know any analogy that I can use. You're you're trash because Tywee Walker is a walk-on out there. I will never understand that. That will never make sense to me. I'm real – I've been really impressed with them. Well, and that's so far and away the minority. And maybe, I think you're right. And maybe it does play into it a little bit, but the the idea that the ceilings for Barnes and Sawchuck is a little bit higher is sure. is is you know not an uncommon thought. And yeah. I and I don't think it has to be this you know defined shot at the other two guys. I mean it's. For Sawchuck, I mean, I think that is the reality that he provides something the other guys don't. Well, and and there is just in, in some people's minds, and I again it might be a small, but it's a very vocal group. When was the when was the last time that any of these coaches were telling you about a walk-on who has a chance and they didn't end up being a really good player? I mean, look at Gavin Freeman. He's become a really good player for them. He is a difference maker. Well, and he's he's only getting better. Look at look at I mean Baker is is the obvious one when we talk about walk-ons though. I know my man Corby Davidson always pushes back against that. He's, he was at the Elite 11 camp but somehow he's underappreciated and underrated. I mean, I just I, Lee Morris. Lee Morris. Yeah. Or made, in, made in, some plays, Whaley. In, in camp, people were talking about Lee Morris and it's like, he's a walk-on. Anyone out there and he became Kyler Murray's most Trusted target. Uh, you you brought up Dominique Whaley. Ask anyone who played with Dominique Whaley. If he didn't get hurt against Kansas State with that tragic leg injury, oh, my gosh, who knows? He had won that starting job. I, I don't know if there's if everyone had that pin took, taken to them, but he was really good. He was a good running back. I don't remember a time whenever a coach was like, hold on, I'm going to unfairly pick on someone here. But, boy, Teddy Hanrahan, well, I quickly Google up the roster to find me a walk-on to just blast here. No. But I, I don't remember a time when anyone was built up as lookout for him as a walk-on. He's got a chance. And then he, he, he doesn't get it done. Right? It, nine out of ten times, whenever you hear a coach saying, yeah, this kid is something else. Are there dudes that walk on that never make it? Yeah, most of them. Well, but coaches aren't sitting there selling you on them all the time. No, and we also can't forget their day-to-day contributions. I know that maybe that's a little cliche, but Sorry, you got to have bodies in practice to go run an effective practice. I've let one person make me mad about this. It's the imaginary. It's the imaginary person. Yeah, imaginary person. I, argument. That, that, what's that tweet? What's that tweet that I always joke about? Uh, <laughs> arguing with an imaginary person on Twitter. But no, I mean, there's enough out there. I love it. I love it whenever you have an underdog story. Some get mad when you magnify it. It's a good story. Well, and people get better. Yeah, they get better in time. From high school to college with uh, this nutritioning and strength and conditioning. Sure. 
It happens. All right, top five stories of the day coming up next right here on The Ref. You know, I kind of I kind of dig this, guys. This is a fun conversation. Uh, a lot of good text on it. Josh has been taking calls. <laughs> the Josh show is taking place off the air right now. Rodney from Denton, unlike any other position, running backs are always rated on the eye test. A good coach sees through expectations and a player that performs the best. Uh, Sooner Gary. I don't understand the whole walk-on thing either, especially at running back. NFL is littered with undrafted free agents at running back. Uh, I saw my man Jim Wade. Great man. Jim, thank you. Love you, dude. That was so awesome. He doesn't want any pub for it, but he knows he's going to get it because I'm going to open my mouth here eventually. Thank you, Jim Wade. But he brought up, which a handful of you all have too, hey, remember Drake Stoops was a walk-on too. How's he doing? He looked pretty awesome to me. Bank first. Go grab a cup of coffee, man. 918. What a great guy. Walk-ons without a doubt provide value to the team, but every go-to bell cow has an exceptional quality about them. Agreed. You know, I'm not fighting against that. But are you saying that a walk-on can't be that? And then the 832. Tommy Walker's a good running back, and we still want him to play, but show us what the other other two can do in a game because Barnes and Gavin both ran for 100 yards in a bowl game against a top-10 team. And then I'll add, sir, uh, with a makeshift offensive line, right? A makeshift sure. offensive line. So I completely understand why everyone wants to see those two plays, uh, those two play more. Plus, walk-ons can be good, but realistically – the percentage of that being common is not realistic. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. Man, you find one every now and then. It's pretty special. And Oklahoma has had a knack for doing that. See, I don't feel like we're all necessarily disagreeing with it. I have my biggest problem with people who are like, oh, yeah, well, he's a walk-on. He just sucks. Don't you even talk about a walk or even write about it. All right, quick break. When we come back, top five stories of the day right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. 